Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. everybody and welcome to another episode of journeys to belonging on this episode well actually today's episode is a first i have the pleasure of hosting two guests at the same time which is really really cool recently i started following ron nober co-host of the teacher nerds podcast with joe joe DePaulo. We met on a panel hosted by Beluga for Same Here Mental Health Month uh, in, back in June, I guess it was. And I was immediately impressed by Ron's sincerity, inclusivity, honesty, and so much more. I'm so excited to have you both on. Welcome, Ron and Joe. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. Thanks for the introduction and the invitation. So I didn't really say much at all, certainly not much about Joe and just a little teeny bit about Ron. So um, go ahead and tell our listeners all about you and, and what you're up to. Uh, Ron, why don't you go first? All right, so uh, my name is Ron Nober. I am a technology uh, STEAM teacher uh, for grades three to eight from Southampton, New Jersey which is in the uh, southern part of New Jersey, about 45 minutes east of Philadelphia. And I have been teaching for, it's coming on my 10 year anniversary of teaching. I came to teaching later in life at, at about the age of 40, I started teaching. Um, after careers as first an archeologist, um, I worked as an archeologist for about four years out of college. And then my wife and I run, ran and still run, a dog training business. So I have been dog training for over 20 years as well. Wow. Um, I started teaching in third grade. Joe was actually my mentor teacher when I started. Okay. And, uh, Look how far he's it, come. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good mentor. That's what happened. That's right. Uh, and then I moved to fifth grade. And then finally, my district came and saw the technology that I was using in the classroom and said, would you like to go to teaching technology full time? Um, and we really shifted into more of a makerspace engineering, um, you know, type of technology classroom. Uh, I'm very passionate about the uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, um, as well as recently have gotten very uh, involved and very passionate about Girl Rising, um, mm -hmm. which is all about uh, women's and girls struggles for education across the globe um, so I have really started to work that into my curriculum as well so yeah that's uh that's about me that's awesome uh, we'll get into some of that while we're talking um uh, joe go ahead so what are you up to now that you've finished well i don't know maybe mentoring goes on continuously but that was, that was probably the luckiest thing that happened to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our old superintendent came into my classroom one day and said, yeah. uh, and I think I was teaching maybe about five years, four years. I think I had just gotten the tenure. And uh, 
He says, do you want to, what do you think about mentoring Mr. Nober? And I went, who? And he said, Ron, Don is student teacher. And I was like, oh, Ron, yeah, 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 totally. And never mentored anyone before. He was, you know, and, and <clears throat> since the mentor process has changed uh, dramatically in Jersey um, and it was, you know, I'm not sure what I was able to help him with, but I definitely got a lot from Ron and still get a lot from Ron. He was a great, I guess, teacher to begin with. And like you said, he's very passionate and sincere. Um, and that comes through the kids see it, other teachers see it, the administration sees it. Um, so I was just lucky enough to kind of get hooked up with him early on and, and just watching him in the classroom and, mm -hmm. and really, you know, that he's been my inspiration for everything I think I've started. You know, we kind of got hooked up as a, as mentor mentee and, and just crushed it ever since. Um, he's Sounds crushed like it. Sounds like a just, great partnership. I'm telling you, I'm just trying to put, keep my seatbelt on and hold on because it's with, with every, with, and, and especially with everything that's going on in education today, like everything he just said, it's, it's totally different than, than the education that I had the pleasure and at some points displeasure of going through, which I, th I think is, is what helps me um, as a third grade teacher in the same district as Ron. And it's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough because the kids are coming with a lot more to school than just, hey, what's, what's, what's it take to read? What's it take to do math? Right. Um, and if that's not addressed, you know, nothing else can really be addressed. So there's just, I think, a lot more to consider. And uh, I didn't have greatest experiences in school. And I also came to teaching in my 30s as opposed to right oh. out of college um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had that wanderlust and, and got the degree and just wanted to go. And it didn't, you know, my parents didn't appreciate it. Uh, my family thought I was crazy, but oh, wow. uh, yeah, it just took those twenties and traveled. And I think that really helped seeing everything that was out there. And then, you know, hooking up with uh, Ron and him being so conscious of just not what's going on in our world, but what's going on globally right. and to how to ignite the kids' passions, because I think that's really where it is. If if you can hook them and get them into something that's they're excited about and they're passionate about, you know, the topic might be not be at their reading level, mm -hmm. but you could really see them put the effort in because the interest level is there. Um, and yeah, and that's it. I I just I teach third grade, so to so to have that fortunate opportunity to work with uh, eight-year-olds that are still so excited and, and that wonder is still there um, and that, that, that playfulness is still there and, and the opportunity to be cool really hasn't hit in just yet. Um, it's a really cool opportunity. So that's where I just kind of, you know, try and spark mm -hmm. their curiosities and, and not turn them off to school uh, the way I was turned off to school. And, coincidentally it was fourth grade where I was like eh schools you know I failed my first test I really started to get in trouble and it was a science test I got a 60 on it and mm. from there on out it was it was the downward spiral yeah it's it's um well, well we the three of us have a lot more in common than I than I knew about first of all uh late to getting into teaching that was me too I was in my late 30s when I sort of fell into it accidentally um, and also teaching third grade. My first oh, four nice. years were, were teaching third graders. So I, I know what you mean. They were language learners also. Ooh. And so that was an added layer. And I'm sure you have la language learners in your, in your classrooms too. 
but it's so exciting to hear how you how you came into it late and became so passionate about it because that's the journey I felt I had. And then the partnership that the two of you have now, I see how you ended up together with the podcast. So just curious, was the podcast both of your ideas at the same time or, or Ron or Joe or, and what did you think about whoever suggested it, whether you were going to do it or not? I think, and first I have to say, I mean, Joe, thank you. Um, I mean, and, and it is the truth. <laughs> it, it, it's I, lied. <laughs> I know sometimes Joe, Joe says like, I brought more to the, to our relationship. I, it is reciprocal. Like I feed I off of Joe yeah. and mm -hmm. you know, what he's done and i watch him in the classroom and get inspired so it's definitely reciprocal i, I think we always say like i think the podcast kind of just grew out of we would have times like after school joe would stop by my room and then next thing you know it's 4 30 when school ended at 3 15 and we said you know we should have these conversations we should record these you know, like the, these aren't conversations just for us. Awesome. And, it, and it was Ron. Ron was like, why don't we just, you know, we, we had the equipment. It mm -hmm. was all there. We, you know, the district had had purchased so much and, and through grants. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, we were, we were very fortunate. Um, it actually, I think, started even before that, Ron. The conversation started when I watched you do Genius Hour. Ron had just uh, oh. the, the spark, right? We, we, which right. we turned mm -hmm. to spark, but they, he was giving the, the students his first year as a technology teacher, like a 20% time. And mm -hmm. before teachers were required to stay into technology class just to help. Okay. Now there was a new thing. You could just drop them off and Ron was just going to take them. And it was almost an extra prep for teachers. And I mm -hmm. thought, you know what, let me, let me hang out and watch. And it was just crazy to see how excited the kids got. And I remember going to Ron and saying, Hey, can I bring this into my class? Like whatever this, and, and I was like, yeah. And, and it was funny because when you, when you start to hear about genius hour and the 20% time, that's kind of like the point of it, right? You, that yeah. Now they have free time and they're not just going to go read, they're going to do something. So the conversation right. started when I started hanging out and watching him teach technology. And I didn't come to watch. I came to, I'm like, you know, this is, I was his mentor and it, this was his first year teaching this position. He went from third grade to fifth grade to now technology yeah. And I'm like, and I know sometimes as a specials or watching specials teachers, sometimes the behavior can be a, so it's, I, I think sometimes the, just having the teacher in the room, um, but right. it was just really great. And like Ron said, the conversation started and, and Ron was the one that said, we should record this, you yeah. know, and, and following Chris Nessie and, mm -hmm. you yep. know, him just focusing on podcasting and we yeah. hit play and, and yeah. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that just that's just really awesome. But you know, uh, on your side, Joe, it's really, you know, you could have walked into that situation and like there are people, teachers, educators, administrators who would say, wow, that's really noisy. How could they possibly be learning in that atmosphere, right? But you picked up on, that's exactly what I want in my classroom. Students have agency, they get to choose. They get to there's and the, because of that, you saw all of that enthusiasm and interest. I mean, you mentioned it a little bit earlier about the fact that even though a reading level may be challenging, the students are willing to to go that extra mile to figure it out or ask questions because they're interested in it. 
and was, you know that that's just so much of it you actually saw the opportunity not everybody would see the opportunity that you saw when you you know when you walked by but that's that's really interesting about how you got started yeah all, all for my mentee <laughs> yeah well like i said partnership you know and that's the way a, a mentor mentee part uh relationships should be um, well that's is... reverse mentoring right like that's why even a lot of times they'll pair older teachers up with mm -hmm. newer teachers to get both sides of the coin i think i thought it was awesome absolutely absolutely and yeah it was genius whoever put the two of you together so <laughs> kudos to to him or her <laughs> mr harris so, shout out yeah. to mr harris yeah 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 so the first question i always ask my guests is uh, if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So, uh, Ron, you want to go ahead? Sure. So, um, and, and I knew, I kind of knew this question was coming from listening to your podcast. So okay. I, I did do some thinking about it. Um, and for me, I, I think it's, uh, you know, a group of people, right, uh, that are going to love and care for you. Mm -hmm. um, and who are going to help you grow and learn, but maybe also sometimes challenge your thinking. Um, and I, you know, the, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said people around you. But now that I've, I've gotten onto social media and through the podcast, they don't have to be around me. A, a lot of the people that I feel a close belonging with, I've never met in person. You know, I, I've met on a screen. Uh, so, you know, it, it's and people who have inspired me the most, um, mm -hmm. you know, I would say like two right off the bat, like Dr. Jennifer Williams and Julia Fliss, uh, I mean, who have been like super inspiring to me and to what I've become as a teacher. And I've never well, Dr. Williams, I did meet in person just before the pandemic uh hit the the fall before the pandemic hit um and julia i've i've never met other than you know through the screen okay. so yeah it's it's those that that close-knit community whether it's right here or across the globe yeah community is 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 really key but i like the fact that you you included that a whole idea of there isn't necessarily a distance factor joe what about you well, I was going to start off with the fact that it was a sense of community. And I think in that community, you can, or maybe even in a, in a school-wide or a classroom community, you would expect to fail and then grow from those failures and know you're in a safe place to be able to go up there and try something and fail and, and be critiqued by your classmates and know it's not putting someone down or putting an idea down. It's trying to get that idea to grow. Um, and, and you want, you know, so that would be that sense of belonging, like mm -hmm. you're safe, you're, you're able to make mistakes, you're able to be yourself, uh, you're able to shout something out that you feel without being put down for it. Yeah, that whole idea of safe spaces yep. is really important in terms of feeling that sense of belonging, whether it's distant uh, a community that's, you know, sort of distant from you or people that are distant from you or whether you're right in the same classroom. But yeah, if, if that safety isn't there, it's very difficult for you to, to go out on a limb and, and to try. So if we're, we're telling students it's okay to fail, 
we can't have that if they don't feel that they're going to be caught. It's kind of like that exercise, that team building exercise you do where somebody's standing behind you and you just have to trust that they're going to catch you if you fall backwards. Um, if you don't have that trust, uh, then you're not going to extend yourself to, to make mistakes. And we want our students to, to feel that they can make mistakes and, and be caught. So yeah, so that's, that's really important. I think I just came up with the title of uh, my next book. Not that I've written a book before, um, okay. but the, the classroom yes. as a safety net. I like that idea that oh, they're yeah. going to come in and they're going to be able to do something. And if they fall, it's okay because the class is there to catch them. I nice. love that idea. I would definitely read that book. Well, <laughs> well you helped inspire it. <laughs> but this, this is why Ron and I say all the time, like on our podcasts, we grow so much just because of the conversations that we have and, and the fact yeah. that we're able to talk to people around the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and I saw in your zoom, uh, in the email about the zoom, you know, it's not going to be recorded, but I like to see my guests or I won't use the recordings. Right. But you like to see, you know, you get that face to face connection. Right. And then the ideas that get tossed around. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's an awesome sense of community and belonging. I know. And considering the fact that, you know, as Ron was saying, we've never met in person, right. but I, I feel like, I feel like I know Ron pretty well. Uh, I know if I needed advice about something, I could ask either one of you. I mean, it's amazing that, you know, I used to be a lurker when I first started on Twitter 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, that sort of mistrust of, sharing information and seeing what kind of feedback you're going to get because you hear negative things about social media, but uh, it's my lifeline. I, I couldn't live without it. And so, you know, the proof is, is what, what you and Ron are saying about just being able to connect with people that you've never met and learning from each other. Um, I think it's also really important. Um, I forgot to mention it. The fact that you, the two of you, formed that bond and that collaboration that is so missing from teaching. The inability to find time to reflect and also be able to reflect with others. And I see it talked about more often now, but I still feel like we, we don't necessarily make the time to do that. So that was really wonderful that, that the two of you, even though it was, you know, I'm going to be late getting home or whatever from work, that it was so valuable that it, you know, that you continued to do it and then you turned it into your podcast. So, so I, I just wanted to mention that, that whole idea of collaboration and being able to bounce off of each other. And I think that, you know, the, the whole idea of professional learning communities and PLNs, that's why we feel that community um, and that sense of belonging is because we, we have not necessarily the same ideas, but we do learn from each other. I wanted to ask you, you both share similar stories. And I, I, as I said, I do also about starting your teaching careers later in life. And I'd love to hear from each of you what that journey was, was like and especially your why. Why did you get into teaching after that amount of time? And is it the same why that you have now? Joe, you want to you go or? 
Uh, Ron, why don't you start this? You know, uh, you, you let's keep let's keep with you going first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for me, I, I think what I what I found was, um, you know, I guess what's got the 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 idea started was our dog training business was really doing very well. Mm-hmm. And what happened was the collapse of 2008, mm-hmm. the real estate collapse and people's discretionary income. And the difference in what we were making from one year to the next was dramatic. I mean, it was really dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife and I talked about maybe we need to have something where we can count on a steady income coming in Mm -hmm. and then do some of the dog training as well. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I had been an archeologist and it was great coming out of college, but it was living in a hotel Monday to Friday and being away from my, my wife. And I had known dog training. And when I really started to think back, what I loved most about both, was educating people. So I, I awesome. loved being able to educate someone about dogs and see like their eyes light up when they, they started to understand why their dog was doing something or how I could help solve a problem. And with archeology, span I always loved when someone might come and visit a site and I could explain to them what we were finding, how old it was. And, and again, like handing a, you know, an artifact to someone and saying, Hey, besides me, you're the first person who's touched that in 3,500 years or something like that. You know, that was what I loved. And even if it was working to educate my colleagues, you know, maybe I had some more knowledge than what they did about a certain, you know, site or area that we were working in and and being able to educate them. So it didn't matter whether it was children or adults, I I started to really find that I loved the education. So, you know, it was after that, that I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree and uh, teaching certification. And I did that all while, you know, running the dog training business with my wife and then working at a vet clinic and then going to school in the evenings to to get my degree. Um, and I think that really is still what, you know, I'm passionate about it is seeing that spark in whether it's, again, a staff member who I'm helping out, you know, a colleague mm-hmm. that I'm helping out with something and finding them finding joy or interest in what I'm showing them a, a new tech tool or the SDGs or something like that. Um, but also the the students when when they realize that you know something they did you th- you throw it out on to to an authentic audience on twitter or something and they're like oh my gosh th- this person here in this country liked what i did like there's there's just that that spark in their eye so um you know seeing that is is still what what gets me excited about education yeah, it's it's an, great when you find your why, and yep. you're able to pursue it. Um, a lot of reflection, it sounds like, in order to to get to that point. So that's awesome, Joe. How about you? I kind of I kind of fell into it by accident. I uh, I, I like I said I wasn't into school 
from fourth grade on and that included high school and went to two different high schools because my parents were tired of paying for the Catholic education and getting the D's and F's and and my first (laughs) freshman year GPA my friend's older brother after seeing my report card said your parents are going to kill you like it's it's a point nine something and I said what's that mean you know I didn't I didn't understand I didn't care um it took me four years to get my associate's degree and which is supposed to be a two-year degree and just I, I think it was the best and worst case scenario for me at 19. I fell into the rest, a restaurant job and it was working hard, mm-hmm. making a lot of cash. And when I failed those classes at the community college that my parents were forcing me to go to, I was able to work the weekend and pay for, you know, next year's class on Monday. And, and that was the cycle. Um, oh. and, it, and I didn't really think about education until a guy we worked with at the restaurant who eventually became one of the administrators that hired both Ron and I as a curriculum coordinator. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. He kept saying he was a bartender and, and he had a good work ethic as well. Cause would go to school and then come to the restaurant on Friday and Saturday nights and keep Sunday to do it. But you know, it's not about him. Um, but he was the one that was, you know, saying mm-hmm. you should, you should teach, you should go into teaching. I'm like, nah, too much responsibility. And <laughs> An, an opportunity for a coaching position came up for soccer and they couldn't get anyone. And I was probably 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. They said, just put in for it. And I said, nah, I don't want to do it. Nah, it's too, I can't work with kids. And, and while we were at a restaurant meeting, one of the managers was talking about how people should be with the kids that come in. Um, and, you know, you should, and I'll, it'll never forget. His name was Tommy D. And he goes, you know what? Be like Joe DiPaolo. When those kids come in, talk to the kids. Talk to the kids. Joe, keep it up. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't even notice that, that <laughs> wow. I was doing it. And uh, so I ended up going for the soccer position. That didn't happen. And then they convinced me to, to, to sub. And I was so lost. I was, I'd, I'd get up, the, the phone was ringing at five in the morning and I wouldn't want to get it. And my girlfriend was waking because I was still working at the restaurant and my girlfriend mm-hmm. would wake me up and Connie's on the phone. There's a job you should go in and sub today. I'm like, Oh my God. And it just started <laughs> to steamroll. <laughs> and even I, I went back to school. I started to get that bachelor's for an education. And I was, I was skipping my developmental psychology class. Cause I was, I was so lost. I was on Mondays and Wednesdays, instead of going to class, I was going to the beach. I was surfing. Like I just, nothing was there. The fire wasn't mm-hmm. lit. I was, I had that wanderlust. And I remember I was 28 or 29. And I said to my girlfriend, I think we need to get like a fire lit under me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you should get pregnant. And, and I kid you not like three weeks or four weeks later, she's like, I think I'm pregnant. And she was, and I'm like, Holy crap. I got to get serious about things. And by the time Dylan, <laughs> what a journey. <laughs> By the time Dylan was born, I think the next semester I was student teaching and then I ended my student teaching in January. I got hired by Maple Shade in February and by the following September I was work I was hired in Southampton and wow. Here we are. So I I don't originally I don't know what my why was. I I think I fell into it and I liked mm-hmm. it. it. It was it was fun. And that work ethic was already there because it's working in the restaurant and, and I wasn't just working. I was working and we would travel, we would go places and, and it mm-hmm. was a blast. So to really find yourself and figure out, Hey, you know, teaching's a pretty good gig. And then I got into it and, and started 
saying, I'll never teach the same way that my other teachers taught. And there I was spelling tests yeah. every Friday and, and the week mm. for the anthology and then all the quizzes on Friday. And I'm like, this, this stinks. And, and I'm telling you, a couple years later, I got into Ron, the, the, the behavior part, the classroom management. Mm -hmm. It was pretty simple because I still treated them like people They, you know, they were little kids. And it, I say I get yeah. to work with eight year olds all day, you know, like and, and sometimes right. the eight year olds are tough. But if you remember, they're just little kids and, mm -hmm. and, and you start to learn the behavior is not directed at you. There, there's a reason. So you start to figure out why, why, why are you so mad? Why are you so upset? And, and you have those conversations and then yep. you just meet someone like Ron, who's bang, 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 bang. Like, holy crap. Like <laughs> SDG, what? Like this whole girl's rising. And, and it's just, you could take it so much further, especially once you understand why is this happening? Okay. Let's address this. Now mm -hmm. here's the, op here's your opportunity to fly push him out of the nest and you just, you watch him go. And, and I think that's my why now um, to, to give him that opportunity because it's not just sit there, yeah. listen and spit out the facts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ron and I say all the time, or I say all the time on the podcast, right? Everyone's got one of these, even in third mm -hmm. grade, everyone's got a third, you know, a device, a, right. a phone. So every, you know, it doesn't matter what you know. But what are you going to do with what you know? And then, right. and then, to, because of Ron, twitch it up a notch. How is that going to change the world? How is that going to mm -hmm. make you know someone far away or someone at home? You know, how is that going to make things better? Um, they right. say all the time, right? The world was designed by humans, so it's going to be improved upon by humans. So you have mm -hmm. to take that, I guess, that designer's eye look um, mm -hmm. to your students and and show them. Right. I love that. Uh, I, I mean, both your stories are really amazing and so different. And you, and to think that you ended up at the, you know, sort of similar places. It's, it's really interesting. But for, for Joe, I, you know, I can see how much your passion is in ensuring that your students don't have the same type of experience that you did, which completely turned you off from school. Again, another similarity, I graduated um, high school a year early. I, I graduated in 73 instead of 74 because I couldn't get wait, wait to get out of school. I wow. hated it. It was not such a great idea because, uh, you know, I was 17 and I don't think I was ready. But I, I just, you know, I, so I can totally understand your journey. But it, it's just so amazing that that the thread that's there is what you said was the work ethic. And then colliding sort of with Ron, um, the two of you have been able to, to expand what you do. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit more about the sustainable development goals, Girls Rising, your collaboration and your, you know, your interest in it and making sure your students understand there's a world outside of where, you know, of the classroom. So tell me a little bit more about what that looks like in your classrooms, um, maybe how you got started for our listeners who might not either know about the sustainable development goals uh, or those who have heard about it, but they're really not sure how to get involved or, or use it in their classrooms. So uh, it's for, it started, um, it was October of 2019. There was a conference, uh, here in New Jersey called Rewire. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the the second rewire conference. There had been one the year previously, and it was uh, Glenn Robbins was superintendent of a, a local school district, and he started this rewire conference. And Dr. Jennifer Williams was presenting at that October conference, and I, being a technology teacher, one of her uh, sessions was about technology and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I went in and she started to talk about the SDGs and I, it was right there. You know, my, my bachelor's degree was in anthropology. So I, I loved learning about cultures and why cultures were different. And, it, you know, just, and archeology span was the truth about cultures, not just what people had written down, but awesome. what was the actual truth, right? Because the mm-hmm. truth was in the ground, it was in front of you. Um, and learning about that. So like the SDGs just, it, it made sense to me. Um, and uh, Dr. Williams book is Teach Boldly, mm-hmm. uh, using ed tech for social good. So it, it just hooked me. Uh, and, you know, I, I started to incorporate it into my class. And I, I, I was intimidated. I'm not going to lie that, you know, when I first started, it was, you know, these 17 goals and there's, you know, then each of the goals has different points underneath each of the goals. And it was just very intimidating. So I just said, you know what, I have a new marking period coming up. I am going to incorporate this into my eighth grade class. I had already been doing a project um, where students would prototype, build a prototype for footwear. Um, out mm-hmm. of cardboard and things like that. And I had the marketing period previously, they had to do it and bring attention to a cause they were passionate about. And people did it for breast cancer and uh, suicide prevention. And I said, all right, this next marketing period, we're going to do it with the SDGs. They're going to focus on one of the SDGs. Yeah. And I had thrown it out there and there was a, a teacher on Twitter who saw my previous, you know, shoe design project and said, Hey, that was awesome. I, I'd love to get involved with that if you're interested. And he was in Indiana, again, someone I've never met in person, and his name's uh, Spencer Sharp. Mm-hmm. And we talked all, almost all of December about what we were going to do. And we came up with it's, it was called shoes for a cause. And we were going to do this, he was doing it with his sixth grade in Indiana, I was doing it with my eighth grade. And he said, what if we auctioned off the shoes at the end? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. So I put together a website and we didn't want to, I'm not a fan and have never been a fan of cash coming into my classroom or Mm -hmm. checks or me being responsible for the money. I think it gets too hairy and too many questions Mm -hmm. get raised. So what we, (coughs) excuse me, what we decided was you would bid, people would bid on these shoes. And if you won your bid, you would just donate to one of these charities that we had, we had designated three charities, send us an email with a, a screenshot of your receipt for what you donated, mm-hmm. and we would mail you out the shoes. And what a great idea. It, it, it was just amazing. And we, we wound up raising uh, just about $500 uh, mm-hmm. 
for different causes. And one was Kuhn Timmers, his uh, project Kakuma. We, yeah. we, we donated money there. Um, and it was, it, it was just, it was amazing. Uh, you know, I think one of the pairs of shoes, it was a pair of cardboard flip-flops <laughs> that students had made went for like $200. What, you know, and I still get emails every once in a while. Um, and I believe it's Tracy Smith, I believe was was her name. And, you know, she'll say like, Oh, I, I had those slides on today around the house or something. And I'm like, they're cart like, I can't believe that, <laughs> you know, cardboard slides. Um, but they did. And Joe, uh, Joe bought a pair and, and you know, uh, bid on a and pair. And I hang them in the classroom. And, and you talk about a conversation starter. I brought uh, the kids. They were uh, trying to focus on pollution in the water, um, which I'm a huge fan of because there's one thing I hate is floating in the lineup. And, and if, you know, it hasn't happened in a while, but I'm not going to say it's never happened where trash floats by. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of disgusting. And it was just a great opportunity to help support you know what ron was doing and what the kids were doing because not only do my kids see it but they got delivered by the kids who made them and and just like their expression on their faces and and their emotions and and how excited they were and i didn't i'm gonna i think i only spent 25 dollars um but you know what like that's that's what i could that's what i could right. afford and, and yeah. yeah yeah and i mean so <laughs> that project was you know, started it. And then unfortunately the pandemic hit, you know, so that kind of, we didn't have it last year. I'm hoping this year to do another shoes for a cause. And I'm hoping to maybe bring in more educators mm -hmm. um, this year, you know, who may want to be on board and, you know, do it. Um, and then girl rising just was kind of happenstance. My, my work with girl rising was, uh, it was a Saturday or Sunday and Julia Fliss had put out something about, she was doing this project with Girl Rising. And I said, I took a look at it and I was like, all right, I'm implementing that Monday morning because I was doing a, a digital citizenship, digital leadership uh, mm -hmm. lesson with my sixth grade. And I said, this is social media for social good. Right. And that's what it, you know, that's what we did. And we watched some of the girl rising chapters and students created memes, but instead of the memes being funny or biting at people, we flipped it on its head and the memes were to help somebody out. Oh wow! Um, so, you know, that we did that and we put a padlet together. So the students in Julia's class in Colorado, and uh, an, another teacher in New York, we, our students were able to put their memes on this Padlet and comment back and forth with each other. Again, so it was an authentic audience that was looking at these memes. Um, and, and then I just got more, you know, more and more connected with Girl Rising, um, which is, it's, it's basically a, a film, uh, a 90 minute film um, that follows nine girls around the globe and their, their struggle to get an education and how they kind of rise up and tackle these challenges um, that face them. And then Joe and I were lucky enough to have uh, Casey Freed Jennings, who's one of the directors of Girl Rising, um, 
on the podcast and did an episode with her and I've, you know, I've been back and forth with them, you know, a little bit and really trying to promote what they do, especially with all that's going on in Afghanistan right now. Yep. Um, yep. And the educate, you know, the, the possibility that, you know, girls and women could be losing some of that education that they've fought to gain over the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. I think, you know, and, and again, the, the kids when the, with girl rising, it's about education. It's about kids mm-hmm. going to school. SDG right it, it hits it hits a bunch of the sdgs yeah, right it like does. equality and then you can and that's the beauty i think of the sdgs is you know you start on well why are these girls not being educated oh well there's poverty mm. there's lack of clean water there's they don't have health you know good health care like so everything all those sdgs it's like mm-hmm. peeling an onion right when you open that first sdg Right. Well, now it connects to this one and it connects to that one. Um, but like I was saying, with, with, with it being about education, all of these kids could relate. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether you're in New Jersey, you're in Colorado, you, you can relate to someone either wanting an education or being in school. And I think the pandemic even helped students realize more of not getting the education or not being in the classroom. And there was even more of a passion about it. So you know, and that's the, I think the beauty of the SDGs, you can bring them into any lesson, any curriculum, and you can make it connect. And if you give them an authentic audience to share it with, there's nothing better. Yeah, I, I think talking about all of those pieces and looking at it from a, a project-based learning, deeper learning kind of lens, I think is really important. Joe, how, how do you work with the SDGs, um, design thinking and those things in your classroom? Well, and as third grade, you know, the topics are still important, but I think how I address them are gonna be a little different than maybe Ron would do it with a seventh grade class. So sure. we start off with uh, SDG number three with health and wellness. And it's one Mm -hmm. of our first lessons for um, our health class. And we introduce the SDGs and SDG number three with its three components. And we talk Mm -hmm. about the three levels of health. Um, And then we start talking about how can we spread the word? You know, how can we Mm -hmm. we make other people aware? So we'll start making, we love we video and our school is fortunate enough to allow all the teachers and the students to have accounts, the paid subscriptions. So the kids start using we video and, through Ron's technology class, he introduced Canva and Canvas. So the kids are creating, you know, just different ways to get the word out about SDG number three and the SDGs in general. And then with um, our persuasive writing unit, I'll pick one of the SDGs. Uh, Usually we'll start with life on land and start Mm -hmm. to persuade people, maybe just keeping it simple, not to litter. And we'll start to bring in articles during a reading class um, where we'll read and get some information during reading and then take what we read in reading and then start to write persuasive essays and go through the curriculum that way. And, and the kids will start, like Ron was saying, their passion will start to come out and say, hey, life underwater, that's like littering in the ocean. So if, you know, maybe they're more beachy than, and, and we live mm-hmm. in a very rural district that's about maybe half an hour, 40 minutes from the beach. So you do have a lot of hunters but also a lot of fishers as well. So it's, mm-hmm. or it's, it's just really cool to see the kids' passion start to take off. Uh, and then it's, you know, once we introduce them, we, we have a spark time 
where we'll take time during the school day and then anytime they have extra time as opposed to just reading silently if you want to work on your passion project and some of the passion projects are fueled by the sdgs and mm -hmm. um we really started when pre-pandemic when uh, australia was having their wildfires and our, and our biggest project was uh dollars for koalas where the kids were seeing on the news all the koalas uh you know just their habitats mm -hmm. and and being burned and and you know all of a sudden now we're bringing into science and now we're taking we're no longer in the persuasive writing unit but the kids are using those skills from two units ago and now making persuasive videos with we videos to start a campaign and to start you know the word this is what's happening have you seen the news and then they started we're doing dollars for koalas so we're raising money and we're sending it out to wildlife refugees places that are taking in koalas and it was all from the kids perspective it was all yeah. something they wanted to do um another little project that started off was the kids and ron and i have talked about it on the podcast the girls in the class that played lacrosse didn't understand mm -hmm. why their rules were different than the boys rules and and as a girls lacrosse coach, I would never say, yes, I agree. I think the girls game does run a little slower. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to say it. The girls thought it and, and they and figured they, it out themselves. Yeah. Well, and, and, and maybe not for everyone, but for them, yes, they wanted a little more of a rougher, not rougher mm -hmm. game, but they wanted to be able to, instead of just running down alongside someone, they maybe wanted to bumper a little more than they were currently. So mm -hmm. it was just cool. And, and they think, cause Ron was, we're very lucky in our district to have not only teachers like Ron, but equipment. So we did have a mm -hmm. huge SDG poster printed out on our, on our large format printer right on the walls. And, and the girls like, Hey, <laughs> that's like, uh, what, what SDG is that Ron? Uh, qualities or a, a, a qualities for all is it? What's yeah. Gender equality. Gender, gender equality. equality. Yeah. Yep. So they're like, yeah, that, and I and I said that is like that. So next thing you know, their campaign is let's do this. Um, yeah, so they're making just, those connections. Ah, oh, wow. And yeah. and it's like you know they come in and they're like, what what's up with those shoes? You know the cardboard shoes. And you say, oh well, mm -hmm. this is this is where they're from. This oh, can we do something like that? And and my response is always, I'm you know you do whatever you want to do. I can I can help facilitate. I will mm -hmm. help get you from point A to point B. But to me, it's it's more authentic if it's brought on by them and and what right. they want to do. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and oh, it was what, the same way, yeah. Dr. Williams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what what I love about both of you is that enthusiasm, the passion that comes out, and I'm sure that comes out in your classrooms, which obviously affects your students because they see you're passionate about something. They want to know more also that it sparks their curiosity and you have ways of connecting it with the curriculum because obviously we do have to follow, you know, what what standards and outcomes and things like that, that that are um, are designated or dictated by the by the district or the school, but you're able to do it in a way that students feel that agency. It's not just choice and voice. It's also empowering them to use their voice and choice for good uh it's amazing i'm i'm so excited it's bittersweet at the end of the year we we start off every day with asking kids how are you feeling are you a one or are you a two or are you a three three's happy two's 
you know, okay, one's upset. And I've learned early on, you have to tell the kids like our time is special and it's special because we're done in June, you know, like you guys have to move on and it's bittersweet because the kids are like, I'm so upset because I don't want school to end. And, and, you know, I love summer and I love that break to get everything back together Mm -hmm. again and to, you know, to, to, to recharge. Sure. And, and so many of the kids are heartbroken. Um, and you know, we, you know, we, we, we address that because I don't want to wait till the last day of school and have them crying, which has happened in the past. Um, and Ron knows like that bell will ring and then Ron's class are like, wait a minute, the class is over. Like right. it's, it's what, what happened? What happened to those 42 minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah so there's think, no better compliment than that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That is true. Yeah. That they get so lost in it. They call it flow yep. that you're in the flow and everything else sort of goes away. And that really is um, the highest level that we can attain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if you're talking like Bloom's taxonomy or anything like that, it's, I think it's even higher than, than that where you're creating, but you're creating for a purpose. Isn't yep. that wonderful? Oh gosh, I miss being in the classroom. Yeah, I retired several years ago, and and the more I listen to both of you, it's like I gotta I gotta figure out a way to get back in there. There's too much going on now that I wasn't able to do before. But this this is really awesome. I, gosh, this time has just flown right by. I want to ask each of you: Is there anything that you wanted to let our listeners know about or talk about that we that I didn't ask about or that you didn't get a chance to before we before we wrap up, Ron, anything? Um, I would say, you know, like for me, try the SDGs. You know, if, if, if uh, it doesn't matter, like I said, what subject area, you can find a way for those to fit into your standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, you know, I'll be the first to admit, like I said, they are intimidating at first, but pick, you know, maybe even just pick one and just say, you know, discuss it with, the, with your students. Um, and, and then once you do, I, I think then it just opens up more and more doors because you see the, the passion that's, that's there. Um, and I know some people may not have the flexibility with their school to be able to do it, um, but I think you can find a way to, to bring it in. The, you know, there, there are ways to bring it in. And if, you, you know, if people haven't seen Girl Rising or don't know about it, you know, go to girlrising.org and, and just check it out. They have lesson plans and they are well-written lesson plans for people. They have a Flipgrid library now with over 30 different lesson ideas for teachers um, you know, on there. So you know, it, it's, a, again, just another great resource that's out there that I'm pretty passionate about and, and again, can fit in with anything. You, you, you can talk about geography and Girl Rising. You can talk about science and environmental things and Girl Rising. Um, you, you know, so definitely give them, give them a look. Yeah, and I'll make sure to include all of the things that you and uh, Joe have mentioned in the show notes so that people can find the links and, and get to it more easily also. Joe, awesome. anything, yeah, anything else that you wanted to add? Um, you know, besides all everything that Ron just said, I, I'd say if you're interested in the SDGs, uh, start with Teach Boldly, right? With yeah. Dr. Williams, um, I think that's a great roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, I think even more important than all that is is self care. 
and, and mindfulness yeah. and, and being able to take a step back when things do get crazy and take a deep breath or, or take a day mm-hmm. to really gather yourself. Because I think as an educator going through the pandemic and, and, you know, yeah. trying to keep kids involved and engaged, that's the one thing I, I came away with out of everything. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm not on point, everything else can't be on point. You know, when, when, not that I'd say I run the classroom because I don't run the classroom. I'm just that guide on the side trying to facilitate everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I think as a teacher, your health is important. And, and if you're going to, if we'll end with SDG number three, all three of those areas, you know, social, emotional, um, mm-hmm. and, and being mindful. Uh, I, I think yeah. that's important to help teachers be at their best. Absolutely. That, that's a great way to wind up. So if our listeners want to reach out and find you, uh, what, where are the best places or where's the best place to find you? And definitely give a shout out to teacher nerds. Uh, Ron, where, where should they look for you? So uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, primarily on Twitter, um, but it's Nober, N-O-B-E-R underscore tech class um, is my handle on both of those. Um, and then, you know, we are, we have teachernerds.com and that nerds ends with a Z, not an S. Um, and you, you know, you can go there and all our information is on teachernerds.com. Okay, perfect. Joe? Um, I'm basically on Twitter, uh, at JoeSurfer2 on Twitter. And we also have a, an Instagram for our teacher nerds. It's at teacher nerds podcast, as well as our Twitter account, um, and that's, that's about it. Perfect. I'm not, as, I'm not as active on social media as Ron is Ron's Ron. And that's why, that's why I'm so fortunate enough, um, you know, to, to, to be partnered with him through teacher nerds, because that he is, he is our tech guru, <laughs> not only for school, <laughs> but also for our show as well. <laughs> awesome. That's really awesome. Like I said, it's a terrific partnership because I can see the, the okay. two of you are able to work off of each other. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much, both of you. And I'm so glad that this was a first with the two of you. So thank you again. Oh, thank you. And I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to, to be the first uh, duo on here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for inviting Ab- us. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.